and welcome to Vintage Old Biddy the Podcast. This is February's episode. Uh, this is Michelle Macaron, and I'm so thrilled that you're listening. Uh, this month's episode is going to sound a little different. Um, instead of encompassing a radio play as well as an interview and uh, a song, uh, we are going to make this episode all about the radio play. Uh, I asked a good friend of mine, Dane Figueroa Aditi, if she would be willing to write a uh, radio play for the episode, and she has delivered a wonderful beautiful, poignant love story um, that takes place over three different time periods. Uh, I'm so excited about the voice acting talent that we have for this production. Um, I'm so excited that it's the first time uh, that Vintage Old Biddy is uh, co-producing with uh, Inanna D Initiatives. Um, And I'm just thrilled to be collaborating with someone that is as talented as Dane is. Uh, If you're not familiar with her work, um, I'm going to make sure to put her website as well as her Patreon, um, etc. in the show notes, as well as the amazing voice talent that you're going to hear. Uh, So um, without further ado, I hope you enjoy this month's radio play, Plain Gold Ring by Dane Figueroa Aditi. Plain Gold Ring, a play in one act, by Dane Figueroa Aditi. Cast of characters. Clara, a black trans woman, an artist, a dreamer, a collection of memories, stories, possibilities, and imaginings. She is existing and tomorrow while today attempts to tether her thus. Kenneth, a trans man of color. An artist who believes failing once means there is no possibility. A dreamer who has woken. A collection of forgetting, sabotage, and desire. He is existing in yesterday, while today attempts to tether him thus. Stage directions. The voice of the playwright. The observer. The visionary. An author of fate. A dreamer of possibility. A writer of what was, is, and can be untethered. Setting. A cabin in the woods. The past. Then. And now. Chapter One. A cabin in the woods. We are in a cabin. One that has been silent for many years. One that looks deeply pristine but masks the burdens of believing. Everything seems neatly in its place, and yet there seems to be countless things missing. The space feels empty while being full at the same time. Each thing in the cabin seems to yearn to be touched, even as the lack of dust betrays how abundantly pressed it has been. The space is a place of contradiction. Somewhere in the world, Somewhere between longing and languish, somewhere between memory and knowingly forgetting, the cabin is a cabin, but it is not a cabin. It looks like many things, pretends to be many things, and is many things. Let the imagination conjure what any of those things mean to you. Things that are finite, while time and emotion are evolved in flux, there is a front door which leads into a huge room. There is a fireplace, 
a little bit away through the couch. A large television hangs above the fireplace, but to the side of it, the cemetery, eerie and offering a certain type of disillusion. The dining room behind the living room has a wooden table with legs that, though not in the image of a shapely woman, offers the idea of it. On the middle of the table are flowers that never die, although they are not artificial. There is a kitchen counter that separates the other space from the kitchen, which seems out of place while the rest of the cabin is wood upon wood upon wood. The kitchen feels almost futuristic. There are stairs which lead to the second floor. Clara, a black trans woman, beautiful, enters. She seems to be brushing snow from her coat and shivering a little. The sound of wind dancing, irritation bellows from outside. She closes the door, attempting to shut out its music. She turns on the light and the space pulses alive. Kenneth? Kenneth? Are you here? There is no answer. She claps her hands and the fire roars to life and the space becomes hot with wanting. She takes her bag and goes upstairs. When she leaves, Kenneth, a black trans man, handsome, enters dress as if it were summer. Outside, the chill of winter can still be heard, but the sun peers eerily into the space. But there is something distorted upon it, as if it were fighting through a fog. He notices that the fire is on and shakes his head. He claps his hands. Clara. Clara? Are you here? And the fire whimpers away. The past. Clara enters dressed in a ball gown. Hi. Hi. When did you change? In the limousine. Oh. You looked beautiful tonight. Thanks. She smiles. The smile of old love, but one still filled with you. (laughs) Why are you still standing over there? Come over here. Kiss me. Clara saunters to him, cat-like as she does. The fireplace slowly begins to waken. Kenneth seizes her in his arms and the two kiss. And passionately, a weary kiss, a wanton kiss, a kiss yearning without want. He turns her around and begins to undress her. And something about the space sputters. Miss Clara sits there in her nightgown. The fire goes out. Now. Why would you turn the fire out? It was cold in here. She walks away from him. Sorry. I was worried it had been on, been turned on by itself. How could that have happened? I don't know. Why aren't you wearing any clothes? When I got the ping on my phone that the fireplace was turned off, I got worried I left the door open. No one lives near here. And I'm a black trans woman in a cabin in the middle of nowhere. True. She regards his bags. The fire grins. The past. You didn't bring a lot of stuff. She smiles seductively as the fire crackles. I didn't think we would have much need for clothes this weekend. We said we would meet to work on our new project. I don't know what you have in mind. Clara, 
How long have we been doing this dance? Long enough, I suppose. Hey, if you don't want to do this, we can wait or call it off. No, uh, no. I mean, I think we have put it off long enough. I am nervous, though. We can keep checking in. I would like that very much. Me too. Hey. Yeah? Do you think other people agonize this much over cooking together? Probably. (laughs) (laughs) The two laugh. Clara runs off and returns wearing a skirt and a sweater. Kenneth begins to bake a cake. The two seem spent in different times. Clara sits down on the couch and pulls out a book as Kenneth bakes. The fire then hisses. He sits by her. Now. How was your trip? Clara, I'm only staying one night and I'm sleeping in the guest room. I never assumed we would be sleeping in the same room. There is a moment where silence carries unshed tears between them. He looks down at the floor, Clara breathing slowly as if wishing to give voice to her sighs, but instead the rise and fall of her chest press on her like a deflated drum. How was Amanda? The mention of Amanda's name seems to shatter the barrier of the door, which swings open, and for a brief moment, the snow screams into the cabin. The fire whooshes away, and Kenneth runs to the door and with great strain closes it. The fire utters itself back to life. The past. We won, Clara. We won. Oh, I was there, Kenneth. The two begin to giggle as they rush to one another and kiss. And music begins to play as they dance to something from the 60s. <laughs> Their hips swaying together, drawing memories into the air. He lets her go as their lives bathe them in hope. Now. I'm sorry, what did you ask me? I asked how Amanda was. I don't think we should be mentioning her. Kenneth. It's not like you're going to betray her. Again. The fire roars as if rattling the corners of their inconsistencies. Then. Clara, you should sit down. What's wrong? Sit down first. Clara does as she is told by sitting down at the dining room table. He sits beside her. He takes her hand into his own. It is warm. The chill of his own begging it to yield courage to him. You're shivering. Let me turn the fire up. No, no, no. no. If I don't say this now, I, I won't have the courage to. What's up? I'm going to get married, Clara. And something in the spring between them utters itself into nothingness. Now. You know what it's like between us. Yes. Well, how is teaching? It's great. My students are really talented, and I hope with this world changing slowly, they'll be able to do what I couldn't. You want an Oscar. We want an Oscar. We both know that movie would have been shit without your script and you assisted directing. I don't think that's true. And we seem to have struck gold. 
I thought what we were doing would change that place. And instead, that place changed us. I don't know if I agree. You didn't start drinking until we got there. I didn't start drinking until you told me you were going to get married on me. And Kenneth stares at her, his heart carrying equally sorrow and rage. He ponders if he will say something, weighs it reluctantly, and the scales seem to be uneven. You are not going to blame me for your alcoholism. That runs in your family and has nothing to do with us, with me, or you. I wasn't trying to say it was your fault, just that you marrying that woman was a trigger. That woman is my wife, Clara. And what am I? Why are you asking questions you already know the answer to? I... Forget I said anything. Why did you call me here, Clara? Hmm? I know it wasn't for us to rehash dead things. I called you here because I wanted to be the first to tell you I have a new book coming out tomorrow about my life. He smiles genuinely for her, and something about his smile strikes at her courage. She tries to muster a smile. She fails. Congratulations. But what does that have to do with me? Because there is a part of the book that is about you. The flame spin, then sputters, reigniting itself. Chapter two, the other woman, the past. This place will be for us. Our own little world away from everything. We can write, we can make love, we can dream. Together. Together. The flames grown as time becomes another time. Then. You told me you didn't believe in marriage. I, I don't, but Richard, our manager, he's, he's... I know who Richard is, Kenneth. Well, he thinks it would be good for my career to be seen with a woman. You mean a cis woman. The silence brings her the answer she seeks. The fire whines. Now. What do you mean a part of your book is about me? You aren't named, but a reporter came sniffing around recently and Richard thought it would be better for me to get out in front of any drama. You pay folks off. You deny it. You come out and talk about yourself. You don't write a book about Richard it. Richard thought it, it would be best. Fuck Richard. Richard is the same motherfucker who told me I needed to get married and then the minute I stopped performing for him, he dropped me as a client. Tennis. She goes to touch him perhaps hoping her skin will soothe something in him, make sense of something in herself, and he pulls away from her. His face a mask of anger. You don't understand. People may find out it's me. Clara, what have you done? Something in her steals. The same thing you did when you married Amanda. I prioritized my career. This is different, okay? This isn't right. How so? Because what is private is private. What is public is public. I would never smear your name in public. Never. But you would trample my heart if it yielded you the career you wanted. You are not going to blame me for making decisions about my life. Kenneth, this isn't about you. It's about me. And not wanting to be perceived as some homewrecker or other woman. When I was here first, 10 years, I loved you. 10 years, I gave you. 10 years when I could have been laying with half a New Yorker, fucking my way into a rich man's pocketbook. If I were going to be kept, I would have at least had the bank account to match the tears I shed. 
I have sat on the side and watched children get opportunities that I fought most of my life for and watched you smiling on red carpets and thriving. Clearly, you are not hard up for cash. That isn't what this is about. I was loyal to you. And even when you chose to do that movie without me, I turned down a major deal because I expected you to come back to me, to our partnership. And I watched and waited and you failed and failed and failed again while my best skill of abundance had everything that could have sustained our stars. And then you left. And then I moved on. And the two stare at one another. Words wielding claws and sharpened teeth of memories threatening to rend the two in half. And please... You teach filmmaking at an Ivy League college. I'm sure you're fine. Do you know the racism that I have to deal with in that place? And I don't. Besides, have you addressed your own colorism? Colorism? It was not lost on me that you kept a Black woman as your whore and married a white one. Ah, you have some fucking nerve. That I do. The fire hisses menacingly as time stretches itself into tears then what do you mean you're leaving me i can't do this anymore kenneth i have to do something different to love someone different to to try to figure out how to love me baby wait we have a good thing you have a wife and i want to be one are you willing to leave her for me and how would that look my point exactly Just give me one more year. I mean, this father has the money up up for my latest project. He may pull it if I leave her or fire me. Please. I love you. Since the moment I saw you at that miserable play off Broadway, you are in my bones. My chest, my smile, my limbs shift in edification of you. Your kiss. Words can be weapons, but they can also be snares, especially when they are true. Do you love her? Silence weeps. You love her. I have fallen in love with her. Do you love me? I need you. She places a hand that shimmers with a plain gold ring on her own. Without you, who will I be? I need you. And she wants to resist him. But her body becomes music in his arms and he plays her and her mouth, even while spinning love onto his lips, tremble. I'm still young. I I can still get a husband. I can still... The fire spills into itself, drawing circles of memories around them. The past... We got the deal. Oh my God, that is incredible! (laughs) I'm going to go upstairs and call my mom. We making our movie. (laughs) He takes her into his arms and the two kiss. A kiss that fills the possibility of joy. Clara's phone rings. She picks it up reluctantly. Hi, Richard. Yeah. Thanks for calling. I... I appreciate you being our manager, but our other relationship needs to come to an end. Yes, we need to break up. And the fire spins, groaning with wanting, yearning to release something more than what was. 
now. It's been two years since I spoke to you. I called you over and over and over and over again. I know. Why didn't you call me back? I don't know. Two years. I'm aware, Kenneth. Not once did you reach out to me even when my mom died. I went to her funeral. You what? I went to her funeral. Why didn't you tell me? It risks disturbing you and your wife. This again. It's always about this. What was it, huh? What was it about me that you felt didn't make me worthy enough to marry? What was it about me that made you feel like you couldn't love me? Because marriage is a trap. And with you, I always felt free. Until I didn't anymore. Until you couldn't. I had a man once who loved me. He would have given the world to me and he would have worked tirelessly to just, just to live in the shadows of my smile. And I gave him up for you. I never asked that of you. I never asked anything of you. Except for me to wait. While I figured out how to leave. And what was I to do while I waited? Sit here in this house of memories, living off of hope and desire, wondering when you would come home, wondering when I could feel your body again, have your lips speak tomorrow into me. I wanted tomorrow now, and I could no longer afford to wait for it. If you had spoken to me that day, you would have heard I left, Amanda. When was this? After my mother died, and I realized So many of my choices were about living in her dreams, not my career, not some idea of manhood, but making my mother happy. You gonna blame a dead woman for your desires. You blaming a living man, so what's the difference? Stop it, Kenneth. Stop it. And just be accountable for once. You nor I have ever been good at taking responsibility for how we hurt people. Or for making decisions just for the possibility of a smile. Silence dangles something between them. A knowing, a reflection, a desire. In the fire hums something low, something sweet. But time does not heed call. Clara, you wanted tomorrow, but I didn't have that to give to you. Why didn't you tell me you left her? Because... Because I am ashamed of how everything went down, of how we ended. Clara looks at him, and her heart wishes that it could lose him, that it could dream of a future without him, and she wonders, what would it say about her if she takes him back? Would the flames of her love burn away who she is if she were to open her life to him once more? She places her hand on her heart to keep it from turning her limbs into puppets. I thought when you called me here, no. I wanted you to tell me you love me, that you forgive me, that we could try again. I miss you and I want you. Every part of my being weeps desire for you. You are my muse. 
You are my reason for birthing a heart since we stopped talking, since we... I'm sorry, Clara, for not loving you in the ways that you were asking to be loved. And for the first time, she looks down at his hand and she sees them worn and trying not to show their weariness. Missing is a gold ring that once encased his fingers in sorrow. And she wonders, does her desire to be a wife mean she is shaming every woman who made a world in which her womanhood was not encased in being tied to a man? And the fire hisses and roars and cries out and desires and yearns and spins and wants and wants and wants. And then there is a knock on the door and she goes to answer it. And the Kenneth that was there dissipates into memory. Tomorrow. I didn't know if you were going to come. Of course I was going to make it. You called. I came. And that's how it'll be from now on. Plain Gold Ring by Dane Figueroa Aditi, featuring Dane Figueroa Aditi, Marquise Wilson, and Garnet Williams. This radio play is a co-production of Inanna D. Initiatives and Vintage Old Biddy. I hope you enjoyed the radio play. Uh, next month on the podcast, we'll be um, sitting down for an interview with Dane. Uh, so if you have any questions about the process of uh, writing the piece, uh, some of the themes found there, or just any general questions for her, uh, please email vintageoldbitty at gmail.com. Uh, also, just be sure to check out the great work that Inanity Initiatives and Dane is doing, as well as the great work um, that our voice actors are doing as well. Um, that's it for this month's episode. Thank you so much for listening. Um, if you like what you've heard, please um, review uh, however you listen to podcasts. And if you'd like to um, take a look at uh, supporting my work additionally, please check out my Patreon. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next month. Special thanks to Dane Figueroa Aditi, Marquise Wilson, Garnet Williams, and special thanks to my Patreon patrons, Corrine Contrino, Dina Grilly, Karen Muscolo Hagen, Lindsay Hoffman, Marianne Johnson, Joshua Lopez, Laura Marshall, Jessica Pruitt Barnett, Allison St. Rock, and Jacqueline Verbitsky.